The German government has released its first report on its strategy for relations with China. The 64-page report contains more than 10 references to Taiwan. In addition to stressing the importance of peace in the Taiwan Strait, it also supports Taiwan's participation in the international community, saying that Germany will expand bilateral relations. The report reiterates that the status quo in the Taiwan Strait can only be changed under circumstances that are peaceful and of mutual consent. It says that though Germany views China as a partner, competitor and also a strategic rival, Germany should reduce its reliance on Beijing. In related news, Germany's foreign minister said in a speech at a think tank that the Taiwan Strait is the lifeline of the global economy and that a military conflict is not in Europe's interest. Uyghur rights groups in Washington are calling on governments worldwide to stand up to Beijing. They accuse China of genocide and want people to remember what happened 14 years ago in Urumqi, China during violent confrontations between Uyghurs, Han Chinese and the police. The rights groups say not much has changed. Graham Kenwood reports for Voice of America. These Uyghurs in exile accuse China of arbitrarily detaining their loved ones and carrying out other human rights violations in the Uyghur homeland, which they call East Turkestan. Officially, the region in northwest China is called Xinjiang. The atrocities committed against the Uyghur people. Outside the White House, these Uyghurs say they want independence from China. They are also commemorating an event they will never forget in the Xinjiang capital, Urumqi, 14 years ago this month. Mass killed them, mass shoot them, and their bloods stained all the Urumqi cities. And all night they washed the blood um, with a pressure washer and to, to wash their, uh, in order to um, hide their crime. The 2009 unrest in Urumqi was sparked by violence at a factory in southern China. Six Uyghur men were accused of sexually assaulting two ethnic Han Chinese women, which led to brawling that left two Uyghurs dead. In Urumqi, Uyghurs took to the streets, demanding justice for the killings. Amanala Kashgari says the Urumqi protest started peacefully. They wanted those criminals to be charged and a, a proper investigation to be carried out. However, instead of their voices being heard and sit down with the officials, they were brutally cracked down by the paramilitary. According to Chinese officials, nearly 200 people died, most of them Han Chinese. But Uyghur activists say that there were many more Uyghur victims and that China's repression in their homeland continues to this day. Several countries, including the United States, have described China's actions as genocide. In a statement to VOA, Chinese embassy spokesperson Liu Pengyu describes people who call the region East Turkestan as separatist forces that undermine China's national unity. The statement says, the issues related to Xinjiang are not about human rights. They are about countering violent terrorism, radicalization, and separatism. The accusation of genocide in Xinjiang is a flat-out lie of the century. The protesters at the White House are calling on the international community to take more action. Graham Canwin for VOA News, Washington. The pro-independence Taiwan State Building Party and several NGOs are lashing out at former New Power Party legislator Huang Guochang, 
who plans to hold a rally to promote housing justice and judicial reform this Sunday. The two main opposition presidential candidates and Honghai founder Terry Goh have all expressed interest in participating. The group say Huang's call for housing justice is hypocritical as he has 23 pieces of real estate under his name. They also suggest that China might be behind the rally in efforts to take down the ruling DPP. The Taiwan State Building Party, along with various Taiwan nativist NGOs, do not approve of Sunday's upcoming rally that's ostensibly in the name of fairness and justice. No one is opposed to housing justice. No one is opposed to judicial justice. But why is it occurring this year and led by these people? People are hoping to use this as political capital. This is being done with political interests in mind. Questioning the reasons behind the parade, the group is also pointing a finger at former New Power Party lawmaker Huang Guochang, along with Taiwan People's Party presidential candidate Ke Wenzhe, KMT presidential candidate Ho Yo Yi, and Hohai founder Terry Goh, who are all expected to attend. The Christian notion of what is said in the Bible stresses, Thou shalt not have in thy bag diverse weights, a great and a small. In today's terms, this is actually very simple. Don't have double standards. Don't make calls for fairness and justice while you yourself are involved in tax evasion or involved in illegal use of land and so on. If the Taiwan State Building Party were to organize an anti-China rally, would we ask pro-China politician Wu Suhui to take part? Or if Taiwanese society wants to hold a Me Too protest against sexual harassment, would they ask the perpetrators to join in? If the answer is no, then why ask Huang Guochang, who has 23 real estate properties under his name, or Ho Youyi, a landlord king, or even Terry Goh, who has his own private jet and says that urban renewal projects harm the rights of landlords? Why can't they just be a bit more direct and say this is simply a rally against the DPP? Aside from critiquing the many problems with the rally's organisers, the Taiwan State Building Party is also alleging that China is pulling the strings behind the scenes. This is an event aimed at stirring up popular sentiment, inciting hatred and creating confrontation. It's an activity that caters to China and takes down a nativist Taiwanese administration. We hope all these young people will be able to see clearly and see through all this. These people in the past neglected the trust young people gave them. The groups are urging the public not to be manipulated and see the facts clearly. Over the course of his career as Taipei City Councilor, the DPP's Wang Shijian gave 32 different presents to then-Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe, including things as varied as suitcases and folding bikes. These presents were gifted to Ke facetiously to criticize his municipal policies. But reports have emerged that Ke is planning to put all the presents up for auction. Wang seems heartbroken. Besides the attention it will garner, we also hope that Ke's supporters and everyone else can come and have a good time together. Ke Wenzhe hasn't had time to use the bicycle he received, so he might donate it. There is no fixed plan set yet. 
but whether donated or put up for auction, we hope that all these good items can be shared with more people. Is the Taiwan People's Party so strapped for cash? I don't get it. I can describe him in five words. Sincere feelings become heartless apathy. When you break up with your partner, you throw their stuff away or you burn it. But who would auction off their ex's stuff? Wang invited reporters to his office at the Taipei City Council to show them some of the gifts that Ke returned to him. They include a suitcase that Wang gave to Ke to pack up his things to run for president. There's also an inflatable horse to remind Ke to keep a distance from the CCP. Though Wang will soon be off on his legislative campaign, he says he has also prepared a farewell mystery gift for the current mayor of Taipei, Jiang Wan'an. Taipei Fringe Festival is an annual event held at a variety of public places in Taipei. It hopes to provide performing artists with a platform to showcase their experimental works. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a sneak peek. They take the stage with a thrilling belly dance. The, the Keya Wen Belly Dance Troupe aims to promote Turkish belly dance in Taiwan. It will be performing at this year's Taipei Fringe Festival. Another performance is by Grad Lung, a Hong Kong performer. I, I'm focused on the, how is the, the lower class people. Um, and in, I mean, in, in many ways, they, 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 they have no say. They, they cannot say that the word. It's very difficult to, to voice out uh, what, what they want, what they need, and what they doesn't want to be hired. So uh, my piece is, is focused on how to, to, to let the uh, audience to, to, remind, to, to think about it. Mm. Do I live in, uh, living in this situation? The Taipei Fringe Festival will be held at 31 places across Taipei City. One location will be at the Taipei Performing Arts Center. Held by the Taipei Performing Arts Center since 2018, Taipei Fringe Festival invites artists to perform in public spaces across Taipei. This year, 135 groups will bring 590 performances. Their stage will include train carriages at Xinbeitou Station, the 11th floor rooftop of the Taipei Performing Arts Center, the Shinto Miko Cultural Market, and the Kishu On Forest of Literature. Performances range from drama, dance, music, musicals, and circus shows. We have opened a new space this year, the 11th floor balcony of the Taipei Performing Arts Center. In this hidden secret theater, you can watch an outdoor performance under the starry sky. The Taipei Fringe Festival will be staged at 31 spaces across Taipei City from August 19th to September 3rd. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Yang Kai in Taipei. President Tsai Ing-wen joined scientists from the Taiwan Space Agency and other officials Friday to send off the Triton satellite. The object is touted as Taiwan's first self-made meteorological satellite with 82% of its development and manufacturing done by local companies and organizations. The satellite will soon be shipped to French Guiana, where it is scheduled to be launched in September, a milestone in Taiwan's space industry. 
President Tsai Ing-wen signs her name on a canvas bag covering what is touted as Taiwan's first self-made meteorological satellite, Triton. After the signing, officials stand in line to pose with it in farewell, as it will soon be shipped to French Guiana for its launch in September. The Triton satellite is like a messenger for the Taiwan Strait. It shows Taiwan's determination to develop its space industry and be part of the space age. It also shows that Taiwanese manufacturing can stand up for itself in the world and up in space. Uh, Triton was originally going to be part of the second batch of seven self-made satellites in the former Sat-7 program. Although the changes came with some twists, we progressed over the past eight years until now. Today it's as if we were sending our child abroad. Although we can't bear parting with it, we are full of hope and joy. After eight years working on Triton, the team behind the satellite says their farewell feels bittersweet. Triton is being touted as Taiwan's first self-made meteorological satellite to be launched since the Formosat 7 constellation. It weighs 250 kilograms and has a volume of more than one cubic meter. It uses a GNSS reflectometry system and will enter orbit at an altitude between 550 and 650 kilometers above the Earth. It's designed to collect data on sea surface winds to better forecast typhoon food paths, heavy rains and air pollution. The global space industry has only really taken off in the past four years. Taiwan is absolutely not lagging behind. Taiwan passed the Space Development Act and it upgraded the Taiwan Space Agency. It's thanks to that that today we can launch the Triton satellite. About 82% of the components in the Triton were made in Taiwan, opening up new possibilities for Taiwan's space industry. By lending assistance to developers, the government hopes the industry will continue taking off, with the ground segment component industry expected to have a value of 300 billion NT in 2025. A conservationist walking along a beach in Ilan's Nan'ao township recently got quite a surprise after spotting a green sea turtle on the shore. A team of experts will be dispatched to the area next week to check whether the turtle had laid any eggs in the sand. An honorary professor at National Taiwan Ocean University who's been studying turtles since 1992 says he's never seen the species north of the Tropic of Cancer, which is more than 100 kilometers south of Ilan. I was very excited when I saw the turtle. I recorded the sighting and we tried to keep it protected. Then we went back as fast as we could. We were afraid that the fire would have errors, so we uploaded it on a computer as soon as possible. Of course, we went to search for it the next day, but we weren't clear on what to look for. I tried getting in touch with an expert, and in the end, a friend introduced me to a scholar. He said he'd come and talk to us soon about what to do when we see turtles in the future. In the footage captured by the conservationist, a green sea turtle can be seen slowly crawling back into the sea. Experts speculate that several factors may have prompted the turtle to visit the beach. One of them is the recent ban on motor vehicles on the beach, which has reduced human presence in the area. Another is the impact of climate change, which could be causing turtles to expand their habitat northward. 
Last week, Latin dancer Michelle Kuo bagged two championship titles at the Hanoi Stars Open, a dance sport competition in Vietnam. Kuo has dedicated her life to dance from her first steps on the dance floor at age seven. With dedication and support from her family, she's been able to thrive internationally to become a true dancing queen. She twists her hips to the music with delicate and precise movements. This is professional dancer Michelle Kuo. On July 8th, Kuo represented Taiwan at the Hanoi Stars Open, where she won two golds in single Latin dance. I like dancing. I didn't have much confidence when I started learning, but then I gained confidence. Now I'm more willing to talk. I used to be quite shy. Michelle is very expressive, and thanks to the foundations she built from a young age, she's able to show it. These wins are the culmination of her efforts over all these years. Kuo started dancing when she was just seven years old, and even danced on a TV show at age nine. Now she's often the winner in national dance competitions. But behind all that glamour is a lot of grueling work. When you are on the dance floor, it can get exhausting, and sometimes that makes me want to give up. But I think I should appreciate every chance I get to go on stage because they're hard to come by. She's very persistent and has a strong willpower. She has her dreams, and I support her wholeheartedly. With passion, drive, and the support from family, Kuo is carving out a space for herself in the international dance sports scene. No matter how tiring training may get, Kuo continues to strut her way to her dreams. In Taiwan, the seventh month of the lunar calendar is the Ghost Festival, a period where spirits roam the world of the living. The last day is celebrated in many places with festivals and ghost grappling competitions in which participants try to climb to the top of gigantic bamboo spires. Tocheng Township in Yilan holds the biggest grappling competition in Taiwan, which is set to make a comeback this year after three years of COVID. At the sound of the whistle, participants rush up the main pillars of the structure in teams, trying to reach the very top. It's no easy feat as the columns are coated in slippery tallow. The event attracts large crowds to Tocheng, which this year has secured a record amount of more than 7.6 million NT in funding from the Yilan County government to hold the festival. The final climb will take place on September 14th. Today, we meet a flower arrangement teacher who created a new life for herself after the age of 40. Having spent her younger years as a housewife, Dai Su Zhen decided to find work as a florist and then open her own flower arranging business. Despite not having access to large amounts of capital and lacking confidence with digital tools, Dai found her own way to a successful career. Now she has an online following with her live-streamed flower classes and is even getting into acting. Dai Su Chen picks up her floral shears and gets to work. With a few deft snips, the bouquet quickly emerges. Foreign 
She spins the turntable, wrapped in concentration, to find the best spot for the next stalk. After many years as a housewife, Dai's love of flowers led her to find work as a florist for the first time at the age of 41. I was about 41 when I went to work as a florist. I started learning how to buy stock, how to arrange the flowers, and how to think like a manager. Later, I started to think that opening my own store was not the path for me, because that needs a large amount of capital. So I started to build my own business at home. Dai spent a year studying many skills, getting to grips with everything from stock to managing costs, as well as the art of flower arrangement itself and how to market herself with analog methods. We're already at a certain age, so can't really use digital products very much. We don't know how to send out messages about the classes we're giving. So it was a flyer I wrote myself and then took to get copied at the printers, and I took a whole stack of these posters around and put them in each house's letterbox. And some communities have security who won't let you post flyers, so we got turned away. But setbacks didn't daunt her. Obnoxious customers and rude students have done nothing to quench Dai's spirit. She has continued to develop her skills, even starting to stream her work online and becoming, who would have thought it, an internet celebrity. Dai has not let challenges keep her from giving her creative gifts to the world, finding the courage to step out of her comfort zone and create a whole new life.